Hello and welcome to Weeb Spawn, where we talk about everything and anything related to anime and gaming. We are by no means experts, just huge fans. I'm your host, Bobby. With me is Joshua. Hey, Bobby. Glad to be doing this. Today we'll be talking about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And like always, spoilers ahead. For this podcast, we're going to be ignoring the original anime of Full Metal Alchemist and focusing mainly on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. And this is due to the fact that Brotherhood stays relatively true to the manga. With that being said, let's get right into this. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood's first episode was released on April 5th of 2009, and it remains an extremely popular anime. And it's based off of the manga, like most anime are, and the manga was created by Hiromu Arakawa. One of the also reasons we will be discussing Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood over Full Metal Alchemist is, like previously stated, it is stays true to the manga. So if you do decide to watch this after hearing our podcast, just know that there are some slight differences between the two. And I did say spoilers ahead, but I actually do mean a lot of spoilers ahead. There is a lot of twists and a lot of thought provocation. Provocation? Provocation? <laughs> Thought provocation watching this anime. So if you even have the slightest bit of wanting to watch it, I highly recommend you watch it before you're listening to any of this because we are not going to warn you again about the spoilers ahead. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood basically follows the journey of two brothers, the Elric brothers, Edward and Alphonse, in their search to get the Philosopher's Stone. In the beginning, you saw that they tried to do a human transmutation to bring back their dead mother. But as Alchemy states, you must give something of equal value in order to receive something, and you can actually create life from alchemy. So what happens is the, the brothers end up losing parts of them. Edward loses his arm and leg, while Alphonse loses his entire body and Edward is only able to save his soul and put it into a suit of armor. So the story revolves about them trying to find the Philosopher's Stone in order to get their bodies back. Yeah, that sums up the the story pretty well. And this show is filled with a lot of really dark things. And it might not seem that way towards on the surface level for certain things but overall the whole show is fairly dark and this makes it easier to bring sympathy towards characters i think and a large part of the show is centered on war and death mainly due to the requirements needed to create a philosopher's stone and like you said the show starts off immediately with killing edward and elric's mother and watching them try to bring back their mom through alchemy and one of the early antagonists of this show is actually victim of a mass genocide with him being one of the few survivors and another dark thing about it is the whole nation that this takes place in has eerie similarities to nazi germany this country of a mistress is ruled by a military it's a military state and the king of this country is actually named Führer, which comes from German, which is like ruler, 
and we may know one famous Führer as uh, Hitler. He was Führer of Nazi Germany. And along with this, with this war and death, these are another similarities to Nazi Germany is they do human experimentation, eugenics, and they infuse these philosopher's stones in people and trying to create these super soldiers. And they also experiment with human animal chimeras where they're combining two a human and animal to try to create strong humans and these are just some of the dark things that we see in every day every episode of this show even though it is a lot dark themed or a lot of bad stuff does happen there is still a lot of like camaraderie and good things there's even some turning points for some villains become protect well not protagonists but basically some villains become good i <laughs> guess is a some of them become just like neutral and some just kind of ride along for the journey help out a little bit some yeah sometimes it's kind of hard to decide you know the whole chaotic evil chaotic neutral chaotic good the whole that whole little square that tells everyone where it's like true neutral and stuff. They're all kind of just like, you have a little bit of every square in this mm-hmm. anime, I guess would be the best way to describe it. Yeah, because we, we do even have some characters who are still your their enemy, but they're like, I'm going to help you because we have a common enemy. So it's like the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but at the end of the day, <laughs> they're going to be like, we're still enemies and I still want to kill you. I was going to say that. That's why I was like, <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> With this show, how I said there's a lot of thought provoking. Oh, my God. I, how do I? I can't say that word. Thought provoking. Provocation? Provocation. Provocation. Thought provocation. If you know any philosophy or anything related to alchemy about the Philosopher's Stones, the people infused with them are called homunculus homunculus i believe it's how you pronounce it i'm very terrible at pronouncing names and words and stuff as you'll find out in later episodes probably in the future (laughs) so don't count on me for trying to say anything but as i was getting to it there's a lot of philosopher is themes also in kind of like the background there's just a lot to go into this that little detail will be of some significance when i say we spoilers ahead almost everything we're going to be talking about ahead is going to be a spoiler so one of the first things we saw earlier was the human chance mutation of trying to get back their dead mother obviously that's not the only human transmutation that goes on throughout this entire show actually early on in i want to say the first few episodes they are going to help. Is it like an old friend? Who's the Who's the guy everyone hates? What's his name? You're talking about Scar? No, no, no. Everyone, Scar's a good villain. Everyone. I'm talking about the the iconic girl dog. His, oh, Sh- uh, Sh- Show Tucker? Oh, it is Show Tucker. Okay. He did the experimentation. Edward found out that Mina and Alexander have been fused. And then when this Mina-Alexander combo started talking to edward then they realized that this is mina nina 
and they report him he goes to prison and then scar breaks into this it wasn't really prison he was being held at a government facility scar broke into the facility and killed show tucker because anybody who commits alchemy like who creates with alchemy has to die because he believes they're playing god and then he kills nina as well because at that point there was no way to separate her soul from a dog's soul that was that was honestly sad and that's why if you don't know the anime you'd probably know the memes at least seen it that's one person everyone in the community just hates Mm -hmm. there's there's no like there's no retribution for him yes and the thing about him and this that whole episode that was episode four it's so early in the show and they only spent one episode on this guy and they managed to make you fall in love with this girl and her dog in less than an episode and then they go and they do this horrific act of fusing this girl's soul into a dog's body and the man who did it was her father and it's just so heartbreaking because he was so focused on staying a state alchemist and keeping his grants and keeping his job that he sacrificed his daughter to do this which we also learned he did the same thing to his wife like five years prior and that's what got him his his grant money and all his his riches and it's just heartbreaking because they can this show is so good at bringing in such emotion in less than an episode best part i think that also helped the fact is edward was honestly shocked but amazed at first Mm -hmm. seeing this creation and then when he she chimera speaks and he realized who it is you just you see that look of horror they put Mm -hmm. you just see that instant look of horror when he the realization just hits him that just blows my mind and that's one of the most like impactful things from this Edward was amazed by this because he's like, wow, you can make a chimera talk through alchemy. Like, you're amazing that you were able to do this. And Edward loves alchemy. He he lives by it. He just loves it. And then he sees this person commit such horrible acts with it. And I think that's what really tears away at his soul, that someone can do this using the thing that's so precious to him. He really grew up with alchemy has been like his entire life and even though he was one of the people that tried human transmutation and he ended up paying the ultimate price for it and hence why they're on their philosopher's stone journey he still believes in like the true the goodness that alchemy can breed and that's why he became state alchemist and like the state alchemist is kind of like the police force the military anything you want to call people that are supposed to help you protect you stuff like that that's why when you start learning about like everyone and everyone involved in it and all of these conspiracies with it it draws you in there's it's such a big organization and in the back of your head you just constantly think with a big organization like this this is bound to be one or two bad apples and or throughout seven. the entire series <laughs> Well, not seven. I don't think not all the deadly sins were true. A state alchemists. I think that's technically, true. I think only one was. Yeah, that's a good point. Only one. <laughs> 
But going back to that, one thing. Did you, speaking of the state alchemist and the seven deadly sins, did you know, when did you know Wrath was, like, confirmed a bad guy? I had no idea until I saw him in the sewer, the sewer episode where he's fighting Greed. And because I believe at that scene, he takes off his eye patch and you see his horrible, his Ouroboros tattoo on his eye. And I was like, holy shit. So actually, funny story, when I first watched this show, I accidentally skipped that episode where it's revealed he's a homunculus. So <laughs> as I was watching, I skipped that episode. And that's also the episode where Alphonse gets knocked out and sees the truth. So then he's able to do hand transmutation without a circle. So I missed that. I missed Greed getting attacked, and I missed realizing Wrath was a homunculus. So I didn't find out he was a homunculus till like four or five more episodes later, and I was like, like what the fuck? It was oh, that's, a, it was a real struggle. That's awesome. That's about the time I honestly found out is basically when they revealed. There was always like a hint something was going on with the Fuhrer, be, just based on, like, the camera angles and mm. stuff. Or when anything would happen, especially when it came to Roy, they would the Fuhrer would always, like, keep an eye on him. So that honestly made me think Roy was one of the, like, bad people or trying to do a coup d'etat. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't know, like, the Fuhrer was necessarily a bad guy, but maybe not the best person for leadership. So that's why Roy was trying to do a coup d'etat to get the Fuhrer out and make him the what what's what's the actual lead position? Is it the lead position just called Fuhrer, or is that mm-hmm. what they call him? Uh, that I think that's just what it's called because they call him King Bradley or Fuhrer Bradley. I thought Roy was just trying to upset him and do a coup d'etat because even on some of the episodes where it was either. One of the Ulrich brothers was, like, on the run or something, and he didn't hesitate to attack him. And I'm just watching this, like, oh, my God, he's actually a bad guy. He's actually a bad guy. (laughs) And then turns out it was, like, some elaborate plan, and the body he burned was some kind of cadaver. But because of Mm -hmm. his fire alchemy and everyone knows how strong he is, he burned the body to a Chris, so no identification could be whatever besides the height weight so they're like oh yes this is this person's height and weight so it must be this person otherwise they can't do fingerprints teeth whatever anything to identify was completely burned they really make him seem like he is has malicious intent and then like you said at that scene where we didn't truly know the full extent of what he was doing because he he burnt the corpse because he wanted to make it seem like he was so driven with anger that he killed Maria Ross. Because they framed her as the one who killed Maze Hughes. At that point, Roy Mustang knew that Maria Ross did not kill Hughes. But we didn't know that he knew that. So they made us believe that he was actually killing Maria Ross at that moment. And the only person who knew that he didn't was the guy who did the autopsy but he knew Roy Mustang so well that he lied for him. I didn't know he, the coroner, knew. I I just kind of thought... Roy like, yeah. eventually brings it up to him in the later episodes, and I oh. think they talked about their time in the military together and how he knew he had a reason for what he did. Because the reason why it was so believable is, like you said, 
she was framed for Maze Hughes' death, which, now we're backtracking a little, Maze Hughes was the commanding officer for Edward, right? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. I didn't know if he was officially, like, apart with him, but, so, as we were talking about, there's a lot of conspiracy that goes on in this anime. And so many interconnected parts. That It's crazy. But Maze Hughes finds out about the plans of the homunculus, which end up being represented by the seven deadly sins. Shocker, an anime using the seven deadly sins as inspiration. <laughs> but he ends up finding out the true plan behind the homunculus and what they're trying to do. And so in order to let them know, he tries to call Rory from a payphone because he believes there's someone in the state alchemist that is basically a mole and if he picks up his phone it's going to be wiretapped so he tries to go to a payphone and call Roy directly well then we end up finding out Envy comes and kills Maze but he was able Envy has the power to transform into people and she is it a she or he I forget in the show it's a he in the anime genderless Envy, I'll just keep trying to just say Envy. Envy <laughs> changed into Maria Ross, which is Hughes's dire- direct subordinate, correct? Mm-hmm. And he finds out based on, you said a mole, right? Yes, a mole over her cheek or under her eye. Something like that. He ba- finds out based on the mole, and then Envy reveals their true selves and kills <clears throat> Hughes before he's able to let Roy know about what happened but Envy uses Maria's gun and was able to frame her and that's why Roy who's like Hughes's best friend was his best friend uh they're they're pretty damn close basically okay yeah basically best friends that wouldn't admit it because Roy's that tough tough guy can't have any show any emotions can't show vulnerability even though he's actually pretty expressive in the anime that's why we'll know that the anger was like real in him because you also get that the memorable scene that's also a meme where he's going to his funeral and it's raining hard today and she looks up at the cloud for mo- or sky for mo- and she goes raining sir with hugh's death you have that famous scene like you were saying where they're at the funeral and they're standing over his grave, Hawkeye and Roy. And he, the famous quote that you were mentioning, it's a terrible day for rain. And Hawkeye looks up and she said, it's not raining, sir. And then she looks over at Roy Mustang's face and he's crying. And she said, oh, so it is. And that shows, like you said, Roy is a very macho guy. He doesn't really... He has this bravado that he has to be an emotionless man. Like he, he's just too cool for for emotion. And that phrase, at first, it meant nothing to me. Like he's crying. He's just saying that's why it's raining to cover up his tears. Upon further analysis of that quote, we realize since Roy Mustang, he is known as the Flame Alchemist. He uses his alchemy to ignite the air and burn his opponents but if it's raining he's powerless he's completely weak he can't use his alchemy so that phrase means more than just he's crying it means he was completely powerless to protect his friend and 
in this moment, there's no nothing he can do for him. And I think that shows his true vulnerability and his true weakness. It's also one of the points where a lot of people start to really like Roy. I think Roy is honestly a great character in general. Mm-hmm. Even though he is like that macho guy, he does show a lot of emotions. And he's just kind of all over the place. Because like I said, I thought he was bad, but he was good the entire time. But then it's like, holy crap, How how is this guy able to think so far ahead of like so many people <laughs> that I'm just like... Whose side are you on, dude? Mm-hmm. Right. And just with this show, once you learn about the homunculus, you realize there's a subplot in the background, and you realize who the true enemy is. But until you realize that subplot that the, the homunculus are doing, you just assume that Roy's the bad guy. But it, in truth, he's not. <laughs> I am your father. I don't, yeah. why, oh, because he gave birth to the homunculus. I was like, why is he called father? Oh, I was really confused about your statement. I didn't know how Star Wars played into this. That oh, no, I, I mean, it was kind of like a Star Wars joke, but just because it was brought in because you were talking about the homunculus mm-hmm. subplot. Because the main antagonist is called father because I'm assuming it's because he created the homunculus is that why they all call him father yeah he's called father because he's the first homunculus and he used his sins the seven deadly sins from inside of him to manifest them into the real world and that's why they call him father he creates like artificial philosopher stones to create life but it's not like real philosopher stone did they ever give like a clear yeah so I think they they are real philosopher stones, but they are they're basically fake because they have they're nothing compared to the philosopher stones inside of Father and the Homunculus. So their main goal, um, since we're kind of been jumping around a lot, um, the main goal of Father is to use the entire country to create a giant philosopher stone and obtain truth and become immortal. And they, in the process, have been making smaller Philosopher's Stones out of, like, prisoners and stuff like that so that they can give them to normal people to help further their plot into creating this giant Philosopher's Stone. And one of them, in order to get, like, all this information, that's why they had Raft, like, infiltrate the state alchemist. And he became the Fuhrer, like we mentioned. So he was basically controlling the state alchemist as well, having almost everything, the city, under his surveillance with criminals, with the state alchemist. Everything was almost in the palm of his hands. That's why it's so intertwined and so many things when you think one person's like a bad guy and it turns out they're not, or you think someone's good and it turns out they're bad, and mm-hmm. you're just like all confused cause, you're just like, what the hell is actually going on? <laughs> right. And I think that's why we're having such difficulty keeping this all linear because there's so much going on that once we talk about one plot, there's another plot that's running in parallel. So when we, we get ahead of ourselves with this. <laughs> that's why we mentioned so many spoilers ahead. Just because it, once you watch the show, you'll understand what we mean because you want to talk about one thing. And then it's like it leads into another thing, and it's just like the show because then you're like, oh, wait, we haven't explained this part, so you don't understand this part. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like, wait, what haven't we talked about yet? Because there's so many twists and turns in this anime. I think that's what makes it so great. 
that for me, honestly, I had literally no idea almost what was going on. Like I'd started having a general grasp of who's bad, who's good, obviously, but that wasn't towards the end until like later on, like the last 20 episodes when you find out who the homunculus are, who father was. I was confused between father and Hollenheim. Oh my I gosh. Thought, I didn't yeah. understand they were two different people until they actually like showed that they were two different people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the thing about that is, so for, for everyone who doesn't understand that, Hohenheim is Edward and Alphonse's father, and he is a very old guy, but we don't realize that because he looks young as shit. And he was in this town, the city, that was basically turned into a giant philosopher's stone, and he was infused with it, so it granted him immortality. But in this process, there was also the first homunculus that was with him. And this also got the Philosopher's Stone inside of him. And it used Hohenheim's body as a vessel, but it, it basically made a copy of Hohenheim. So there are two guys who look exactly the same, Father and Hohenheim. One of them's good, one of them's not. And we don't know this until way later in the show. And sometimes they show them, and you think it's the same person. So when you finally meet Edward and uh, uh Alphonse's father, you're like, oh shit, this is not a good dude. Until you finally see them both at the same time, and you're like, oh shit, okay, maybe it's two different guys. Which I'm kind of glad it was two different guys. I'm glad they didn't do like the whole cliche, the main character's parent is a bad guy, mm-hmm. and then they're just like, oh my god, how could my father be like this? Because I thought that's where they were going with this. That's again one of the twists you notice. When both of them come and you're like, wait, so his father really was a good guy. And then you realize why he left on his journey towards the end when the homunculus father is able to actually do the whole transmutation circle and was going to take this whole city and do a repeat of whatever happened millennia before and sacrifice everyone in this city to be a philosopher's stone so he can reach godhood to reach truth. Hohenheim was going around the entire city taking the spirits of the people from the, his home village that was sacrificed and planting them around the circle so he can basically cancel out this giant transmutation circle that would kill the planet. And the soul, I don't know exactly how the souls did it, but the souls basically, because they were lined up in the circle he was able to cancel it out the whole yeah. plot. I think it's just because he basically removed them from his body as philosopher stones and he was able to activate them from afar. I don't really know how he managed it, but he was able to use a reverse transmutation circle to do that. All I remember is that the circle he used somehow, some way, he planned this exact moment during an eclipse. So it's, there was a yeah. shadow of the moon going down for the perfect circle, and he knew that, and that's how he was able to do the transmutation circle. So I think the reason for the eclipse, he knew this was going to happen, was because Father was also waiting for the eclipse, because the eclipse acted as the gate for truth, and that's what he reached up for and stole when he became this all-powerful being. Oh. And the eclipse also worked in 
Hohenheim's favor to cancel out the other circle. Yeah, because I was about to say, they had one of the seven deadly sins, Sloth. He was digging tunnels under the city for the purpose of the transmutation circle. He wasn't trying to use the mm-hmm. shape of the, the shadow of the circle like Hohenheim was. Right. And you mentioned earlier that Hohenheim's actually a good guy. And, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, he is because he helped save the world. And that was his true intentions because he never wanted to be immortal. And he felt the weight of killing his entire village. But he's also kind of a bad guy because none of this would have happened, most likely wouldn't have happened, if he never left his wife and kids, Ed, Al, and uh, Trisha. Because if he didn't leave, Ed and Al would have a father to tell them, hey, you can't use transmutation to not bring back your mother. Like, you, you can't bring her back, she's gone. So then they wouldn't have become sacrifices in the final episodes of the show and that kind of would have thrown a wrench in father's plans Mm, that's debatable only because hohenheim did succeed in stopping it with his because if he didn't go around the world to cancel out everyone would have been sacrificed well ed the people who committed the ultimate taboo like the ultimate sin they had they were a critical part in creating the main philosophers or the the main transmutation circle to bring forth god and truth so if they never committed the ultimate act then the sacrifices would have been cut in half meaning that um father would never have been able to to activate his transmutation circle true but also remember how he got his last sacrifice. He forced Roy Mustang to do the ultimate taboo. He could have easily done that with other people as well if he I, yeah. truly needed it. That would be my counterpoint. Let's talk a little bit about the truth and the toll you have to pay. So we know that Edward and Alphonse committed this ultimate taboo. Like we already talked in the beginning, they lost their arm, leg, and body. But another person we learned that also committed this taboo was... I guess you could their... say alchemy costs an arm and a leg. <laughs> alchemy costs an arm and a leg. Quite literally. Um, another person we know that that committed this taboo was their teacher, um, the Elric brothers' teacher, Izumi, who used it to try to bring back her dead child. And when she did this, instead of losing an arm or a leg like Ed... She actually lost her internal organs, making it impossible for her to bear children. And this kind of shows that the truth is kind of a dick. So, like, there's a lot of symbolism. Like, Izumi tried bringing back her child, and to pay the price of committing this this sin, she loses her ability to have children. And with Alphonse, he committed this taboo to bring back his mother because he wanted to feel her warmth one last time and he lost his entire body which he will never be able to feel anything again which sucks is shitty and with edward he wanted to support his brother and he he was the support for his brother and when they committed the taboo he lost his leg so he can't even support himself let alone his brother and that's kind of sad and with roy mustang his isn't perfectly clear why he lost his eyesight when he was forced to commit the taboo but it may be due to his him needing to 
rely heavily on his sight in order to perform his alchemy. So <laughs> what I remember when Roy came back, he did the ultimate taboo when he lost his vision. I believe Father said it that he was laughing that Roy lost his eyes because he had the vision of the future oh ahead of him gosh. because he had he was the one doing all the plans on try to become he was overthrowing it. He knew ahead of time of everything that was going on. He had the this vision of a better future, and that's wow. why he lost his eyesight. Wow, I miss that because if yeah, if you said that, like holy shit, that makes a lot of sense. It and, was like literally right after he pulled everyone in and then mm. forced them, and he came back, and he was wondering because. Roy's like, why is it so dark in here? Mm-hmm. And he looked at him, and he's like, oh. He started laughing. He's like, of course he would lose his eyesight because he had the vision. Wow. Well, see, that just shows that truth is shitty. Like, it's a dick. It's like, yo, you want the thing you want the most, you're never going to have it again. <laughs> see, my thing is, yeah, that's bad for them, but I feel like he's still kind of neutral just oh, yeah. for the fact because – if you try to bring back life, you literally are playing God. Mm-hmm. And nobody, I firmly believe, like a lot of people, one person should not have the power of that. So because they wanted a child, like she wanted a child, she lost the ability to, to have children. Mm-hmm. He wanted the warmth. He lost the warmth. He wanted support. He lost his support. And like when he lost his arm, he lost his arm because he was reaching out to try to grab his brother to put him back into the suit of armor. So everything that they were using to get try to get what they wanted, they mm-hmm. lost it in return because Truth was like, No, you shouldn't have this power. You're just a human. You can't right. you can't support this power. And on top of that, like you said, he is neutral. He is he's just doing his job basically. And on top of that, with alchemy it's equivalent exchange so he took something from them but he also did give them something in return with the truth and that's their ability to transmute without a circle and so regardless of him being neutral he is fair which when did you know that clapping meant that they had like the power of alchemy like they didn't have to use a square a or square, a, square. <laughs> <laughs> a circle um, I don't think I ever really, like, I think when I figured out the meaning behind the clapping transmutation, they had to actually spell it out for me and how they explained that they are the circle and the fact that they saw truth allowed them to perform this act. And I think that's when I figured it out. It it didn't click to me that they were c- completing the circle by clapping their hands. I think I figured out when they met their teacher because when they were with their teacher and he clapped and did alchemy, that's when her look of horror happened and she goes, no, you saw him, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And Edward was like, wait, you've done that too? And they explained what they did when she she lost her child and was bringing them back and they said how... They lost their mother, but he was. They tried to bring them back because at first, I honestly, I just thought it was a main character thing, like because it was a show. It's a shown in anime, so I was like, okay, it's something to do with him, or maybe I thought it was with his the what was the metal called? The oh, uh, auto metal. 
automail. I thought it was maybe something to do with the automail, like he had a circle inscribed in there or something. Because I think in one of the first few episodes, they were kind of shocked about what happened to, and they thought it was his arm. So he tried like getting rid of his arm or something because he couldn't perform alchemy that way because he couldn't clap because he only had one arm. But he was still able, he still knew how to do like circles and stuff. But I thought it was honestly because of the mail the auto mail that he was able to do that until they finally explained oh the clapping you had the power to do any kind of transmutation just by clapping mm -hmm. except human transmutation that one you have to draw a circle for <laughs> <laughs> yeah. unless you're transmuting yourself actually so he he can transmute himself just by clapping which we saw when he fought pride but he he also did a clapping when he brought his brother back. So just in some cases, I guess, you have to draw a circle for human transmutation. Wait, he did clap when he did his brother? I thought he drew a circle for his brother. I thought he like drew a circle with the the armor and so the circle. Or no. That was a seal. Someone, that, yeah. No, wait. You're talking about the beginning, right? Yeah, when he brought his brother back. I'm talking about the ending. Oh, when that one. Alphonse no. sacrifices his life to give Edward's body back. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right about that one. He was transmuting his entire body into see the truth, whereas in the very beginning when he was bringing his brother's soul back, he had to, he clapped. Which, with the ending, the one thing with alchemy, if you notice, how the whole reason if you do the whole taboo thing, you lose something in return. Normally, if you try to bring someone back like he did with his brother, he should have lost something in return. But the only thing he technically loses is his ability to use alchemy. Because when he goes to this white room where he sees truth, God, whatever you want to call him, there's the... What's the gate called? I think that's just the gate of truth. I think they oh, just, just usually the refer to it as the gate. Truth is kind of like asking him, he goes, well, this is your whatever, we've seen each other a lot, what do you think you can give to get your brother back? Your body? Your, like, what's it going to be this time? He goes, what are you talking about? I have something to give right here. And he points to the gate of truth. And that's the first time you see God almost like acknowledge a human he goes correct or something and he like kind of laughs he approves of it yeah, he says that's the right answer that's and what it was he basically just in like you said with alchemy you give something to get something and he was giving his ability to do alchemy to the truth to receive his brother's body back it's almost like edward found his place he didn't want any more power. He didn't want to reach godhood. So he gave it all away to bring back a life. And almost, that's almost like the ultimate sacrifice. But at the same time, like he's not giving up his life. But he's also giving up something incredibly value that could, like you said, almost be used to reach godhood. And that's why he's like, that's the right answer. You're not supposed, almost like you're not supposed to reach godhood. But now he's going to be a normal human being so he's like rewarding him for not lusting after this power and that's how he was able to bring back his brother was he got rid of his gate of truth right and and like you said it's almost like the ultimate sacrifice at least in 
the full metal alchemist universe because everyone is capable of doing alchemy if they have the knowledge to do it and he gives up this ability and he basically becomes a powerless being in this world of alchemy which if you watch full metal alchemist not brotherhood the ending is a little different so the ending there's a parallel universe which this is where the main world i will just call it the main world and the parallel world so the main world gets its power to use alchemy from the parallel world the parallel world was trying to take over the main world i don't know if it was like scarce resources or what i kind of forget but they had a grudge against the main world for some reason because they were like sapping their power so you can't use alchemy in the parallel world that power I don't know if I forget how it was explained, but basically you can't use that power in the parallel world, only in the main world. So as the two worlds were kind of like colliding, Edward ends up figuring out a way to close this portal. But in doing so, he has to stay in the parallel world. One of the reasons also he kind of stayed in the parallel world is he met a girl, shocker, and he kind of wants to live like with this girl and he's going to live like an honest modest life whatever you want to call it without alchemy and almost start from scratch so he saves both worlds by closing the gate he stays over in the parallel world and then the main world they stay separate and that's kind of how it ends so it's a lot different a lot kind of weirder not to mention if you're if you're a shipper and you like to ship characters you probably would ship Edward and Winry. I believe that's how you pronounce it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So in Full Metal Alchemist, like I said, he goes after another girl. He goes to the parallel world, and they don't get together. But if you watch Brotherhood, on the other hand, once he loses his ability to use alchemy in like one of the last scenes, I forget what exactly he says, but he basically tells Winry she would like him to stay by him side forever. He, basically a marriage proposal or something. He's, he's about to, at the end, he's about to travel to the West, I believe, in order to study new forms of alchemy. And right before that, he tells Winry, it's equivalent exchange. I give half of my life if you give me half of yours. And then she responds, you're like, you're an idiot. How about I just give you all of mine? And basically, he they proposed to each other at that point. It's a little awkward, but it's really cute, <laughs> too. It makes sense for Edward. Yes, it's like the perfect confession between them, I believe. I think mm-hmm. so. So if you're a shipper, definitely watch Brotherhood over the regular one. But if you want to see the ending, I honestly, the reason I saw the ending is because everyone was telling me, oh, Brotherhood and Full Metal Alchemist. They had different endings. So I wanted to watch it just to see the endings. And it just, for me, it's so lackluster that I was just like, "Mm, yeah, Brotherhood is a lot better. Plus, the the fight scene between him and father and going through all the alchemy and going through the whole Gate of Truth, finally kind of revealing everything, is so much more satisfying when it ends than if you watch just Full Metal Alchemist. I didn't watch the. original full metal alchemist but i did watch brotherhood and i just don't see how you could top it 
it feels like the story is just more well-rounded, more put together, and it just was able to be thought about more deeply. If you do, if you guys want to watch Full Metal Alchemist, just to see like the differences, I think it diverges like episode 16, 17-ish. Yeah, around there. Somewhere in the early teens. Yeah, around there. Uh, that's when Full Metal Alchemist becomes its separate over Brotherhood. That's why also if you watch Brotherhood, give it a little bit of a chance because those original like 13 to 16 episodes are basically a reboot. So it's going to be a little slower pace just because they were staying true. They were just kind of like, like I said, it's more of a reboot at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But then it definitely picks up. And it, it's just a wild ride from there. Yeah, seriously. And from what I read in the in some while doing some research is when they were creating the anime, the original, once they caught up to the manga material, the author basically told them do whatever they want because it's going to be just a separate show at this point. She wants to write her story. They can write theirs. So they kind of just went their own ways with the information they had. And we found out the author had better insight than whatever they decide to make. <laughs> Very true. Just thought I'd put my little tidbit in mm-hmm. there. <laughs> One thing also, I love animes that do this, is change their art style based on certain, certain I guess, scenarios. And by that, I don't mean like a fight scene. They change their art style completely. But you know those like random moments where there's like no detail at all and, mm-hmm. then, and they're very like, cartoony and yes i love wholesome. i love it when animes do that mm-hmm. i do too and they did it perfectly in brotherhood i thought it's just a very quirky little like a very satirical scene and it's just a very goofy animation style at that moment and i i think it works out really well for them this is maybe a little late saying it but just because we were talking about there's a lot of death, dark scenes, <laughs> war, all this, there's still surprisingly a lot of good co- comedic relief or just basically comedy in it. One of my favorite scenes is the Ulrich brothers. I forget what they were infiltrating, but basically there were it was like some kind of prison. They found out about the whole... This is where they find out about the whole, like, prisoners being used for experimentation. So how his brother is tied to a suit of armor, they find out two other people who has their souls compared to a suit of armor. And when Alphonse was fighting one of them, he, like, removes his head, and he doesn't have a reaction. And the guy's like, what? No reaction? Aren't you supposed to go, ah, What's going on? And Alphonse goes, no, not really, because... And he lifts off his helmet, and there's nobody in there. And the villain goes, ah, what's going on? Like, he's <laughs> shocked. And I was like, they played that so perfectly that I I still watch that part, and it still gets me a chuckle every time <laughs> I watch it. Yeah, this show, it has a great comedic... Like you said, great comedic relief. It, and it's placed in the perfect moments. Like, there will be a very serious moment that happens beforehand or afterwards. And they, they drop these comedy bits in, the, in between them that really lightens the mood and has a, good, has a good breather moment for us. A lot of the comedic parts come from that, like, change of art style, like I said earlier. But if you had... How do I phrase this? What do you think Edward's 
do you think he had like a specific alchemy he was like you would put on him because what was his oh he was full metal alchemist duh i was like what was his title because roy was the flame alchemist his was the full metal alchemist i think most of his alchemy dealt with him almost always being like fist fighting so he would create platforms that would go and attack or get him closer he was more of a close combat fighter right yeah he was very close combat and he would often craft like spears from the ground and okay and a lot of times he would use his auto mail to make a sword so going off of that with roy being the flame alchemist what would your specialty alchemy be oh god i don't even know i never really thought about this actually yeah i don't know either that's why i'm putting you on the spot first so i have time to think I think I just really like Roy's alchemy, and I think I would want to be a flame alchemist. So you'd be useless in a rain. Got it. So absolutely. So don't come to Florida, <laughs> where you won't be. You will be useless like ten minutes out of every day. <laughs> I mean, it's, I it's so humid in Florida, you'd be useless all the time. <laughs> That's also true. I mean, my go-to would be ice. Just because I I always like the ice aspect, but mm-hmm. I'm like with alchemy, I don't know. I kind of I'm trying to think there would be some kind of cool like niche thing. What was Scars? His was just like he only ever used deconstruction. I was about to say his was deconstruction. It was some. He, he said he believed that only God has the power to create, so he would always stop at the deconstruction part, and he would never go further. So I'm trying to think what. What could have been like a a quirky, kind of like a quirky thing that would be funny to use? <laughs> I'd be the gun alchemist. I'll just create random guns and just fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be interesting. Well, I mean, I mean, it technically, could I was gonna work. say Louise Armstrong has a very similar one. I'm pretty sure he, or there's one alchemist that makes cannons and shoots little cannonballs out of them. Isn't that Louis? I can't I remember. It, I know he makes... He sometimes makes, like, earth bullets. He just kind of punches them. Yeah. He uses his, like, brute strength. And he always carves a little face into each thing. I guess I'll be basic and I'll just go with the ice. Because <laughs> especially... If it's rain, I'll be the opposite of you. When it's yeah. raining, I'll be like, I have so much material. <laughs> <laughs> Just freeze the entire, like, have freaking ice bullets everywhere. With us jumping around the plot and everything, and we kind of touch a little bit on the difference of symbolism and everything going on with this show. There's so much more to take from this show than just like this showing in action, tragedy, comedy, anime that you've seen. But there's just too much to talk about if we wanted to go in depth about that. But if you guys would like us to, we have no problems doing that. We'll we could always come back and do another episode of just going in depth about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, about the difference of symbolism in there, what is truth, the philosophical, philosophical, yes, philosophical meanings behind a lot of interpretations. Obviously, we'd have of the show, but that in itself would honestly take almost an hour to talk about, just because there's so much, and. 
this is actually like a 65 episode anime so it's not a typical only like 12 or 24 episode it actually delves deep and has a lot of rich story into it we only touched on the bases of it and mostly like kind of like the shocking parts that stood out to us but if you do want us to go more in depth please let us know and we will definitely have plenty of time to go over and talk about what we think the interpretation behind truth and everything that went on yeah like you said there's just so much to talk about with this show that it wouldn't be able to to handle like we wouldn't be able to handle all of it in an hour session you can't handle the (laughs) truth so yeah like you said we can there's so much more like we could go into symbolism behind the homunculus deaths because each of them died in a symbolic way to their sin and you said we can go into truth there's there's meanings behind what's imprinted on each person's gate and things like that that we just weren't able to hit with this episode not to mention there's still a lot of stuff that happened in between what we talked about like we Mm kind of just brushed over it because honestly full metal alchemist brotherhood such a complex show it really is. There's just n- not enough time in an hour to talk about mm-hmm. everything. So you would watch it, and I guarantee you there's probably still a few surprises that we may have glanced over. So definitely give it a shot. I'm going to end this with a few facts for our audience. So the manga's creator name, like I said earlier, was Hiromu. And that's actually her pen name. Her real name is Hiromi which Hiromu is the masculine form of her name. And she used this masculine form because the shonen manga industry was so male-dominated that she was afraid that her work would be overlooked because she was a woman. And in the beginning of the show, towards the first few episodes, we actually see Izumi Curtis and Sig Curtis, Edward and Alphonse's teacher, at a train station very early in the show before they're even introduced and it's just a fun little easter egg so if you're ever re-watching the show and you're at a train station scene look in the background and you might be able to see izumi curtis and sig and in one scenario may is in there the little girl who runs around with a panda i know we didn't talk about her at all in this show but she's also in the background in one of those episodes and finally one last fact is Edward's outfit scheme, like his color scheme, actually has ties to alchemy in real-life scenarios. From the 15th and 16th century, the colors black, white, red, and gold were heavily associated with alchemy, and all those can be found in his outfit, and the gold is reflected through his hair. So the black, white, and red are actually found throughout his whole outfit. And that's just kind of a neat little tidbit that the show and manga throw in there. Always a little fun to maybe gain some new knowledge that you may not have already had. So that concludes this episode of Weep Spawn. And like always, if you have any opinions or discussions you would like us to talk about, email us at weepspawn at gmail.com and we'll definitely take a look and say no to all of them because we decide what we want to do and I say no. Sure, yeah. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Bobby. And I'm Joshua. And we'll see you next time when we weep spawn.